What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When I read Built to Lose, how the NBA's tanking era changed the league forever, I was most impressed with the thoroughness. I mean, the NBA is a big place with a lot of moving parts, a lot of things happening. And the author of that book, Jake Fisher, just did a phenomenal job of covering everything that was happening, of really explaining the whole landscape. And the only way to do that at that level of quality is to talk to a lot of people, uh, to be a sharp person, to understand all the things coming at you. And you can see that exactly translate into his work at Bleacher Report, uh, where he's covering a little bit more of the league's transaction game, uh, his his off-season previews, uh, in some ways just really reveal everything that's going to happen in free agency before it happens. Uh, you can see all the great work he's done uh, covering the lead-up to the trade deadline. Uh, so he is a perfect person for this podcast uh, where I want to go through the 10 players in the NBA most likely to be traded before the season. I guess we can turn this into a little bit of contest. Uh, I have my list of 10. Uh, Jake has his list of 10. Uh, we can see who who has is more correct, who has more players on their list get traded. This is not a rank list. Uh, <laughs> The names you hear first might be a little more likely. Uh, Jake is way more plugged in than me. He has a huge advantage. I guess my <laughs> one advantage uh, is that I spent a lot of time on my list, really pouring it over, really thinking it through days and days on end. Uh, Jake <laughs> threw his together at the end, uh, or just before we started recording. So maybe that equalizes a little bit. I think Jake is the betting favorite here on this contest. Uh, Jake, thanks for coming on. How are you doing? Thanks for having me, Dan. You're uh, you're one of my favorite people to talk to in the NBA media world, being that, for those who don't know, we were both coming up at uh, TD Garden Celtics games in the early Brad Stevens era, and it was always fun going into the, the scrums with the head coaches pregame, and I would wait to hear your question and hope we weren't trying to write about <laughs> guy, but a lot of the times we were, and it's always funny standing next, standing next to, like, Ray Allen and you and just kind of trading questions with you. So those are fond memories, man. Thanks for having me here today. Yes. In some ways I I dreaded when we were uh, exploring the same angle. In some ways I'm like, well, you know, Jake asked a good question of that guy there. I'm just going to steal that answer too. This is not exclusive. So sometimes it worked out uh, for me at least. Let's, uh, let's jump into, into our, into our list. Uh, You know, again, not order, but give me somebody on your list of the, 10 players most likely to get traded before the deadline. We're almost a week away. I think, to me, the one player that I'm like, not one, but one of the few that I'm absolutely sold is going to get dealt, Eric Gordon. Mm. Yeah. Is he on your list? He is not on my list. He's one of the uh, the cuts. Uh, you know, He's not that far off, but he did not crack my list. Uh, let me tell you why he didn't crack my list. You can uh, tell me why he's going to get traded anyway. Yeah. Uh, he's got a real high salary, which just makes it a little more complicated. doesn't mean a deal can't happen, but just makes it a little more complicated to find the right fit. Um, and it seems like the Rockets like him for, for what he brings to their culture, his veteran presence. Um, you know, they have some extra picks. I just, I'm not sure there's quite the urgency. Uh, I see a lot of reasons to trade him. Again, I might have had him like, the 13th most likely to be traded in the league. So it's not a huge difference. Uh, but why Why is he uh, who you're leading off with? I just think there's a ton of motivation for Houston to receive some type of compensation back. And offers, I mean, the Rockets have been projecting they're going to get a first-round pick for him. I don't think that's out of the question. And I also think that they probably would be willing at a certain point to go down and take 
a couple of seconds, especially being that Cleveland has been circling that situation um, and Gordon and, and the Rockets um, second round pick, which is going to be basically a first round. They're in the top couple picks in the second round. There's actually even some benefits to having that pick versus a late first, right? In terms of contract flexibility with mm-hmm. a second round pick compared to a, um, a first rounder. So, you know, I, I think there's likelihood that either a team will eventually be willing to put up a first round pick to get him or the Rockets is asking price will come down. And there are a lot of teams I think who will be willing to pay that. So his number is not too scary to me being that he is a two way guy with some ball handling ability too. He's not just a shooter. There's a little bit more that he offers, which is why he has that money in the first place. So um, I'm curious to see where, where he can end up. That is one thing that gives me a little more confidence. One of the reasons I was not quite putting him on my list was, oh, that asking price is high. I, it could get met. I wouldn't be surprised either way. Uh, but it's it's a high asking price, a first-round pick. But we have seen in, in history the Rockets, you know, start off with a high asking price, be able to look at P.J. Tucker, even James Harden to a degree, and come down a little bit uh, for, for the final deal. Be willing to negotiate there. Uh, somebody on my list who fits a similar bill of a uh, – a veteran wing on a bad team uh, who probably could use a change of scenery. Terrence Ross, uh, you know, I think uh, the, now is the time for the Magic to trade him. The time might have passed even, uh, but it's it's the end of the road. He hasn't been playing great. That could dampen his market a little bit. Uh, but I think uh, I think Terrence Ross is likely to get traded just as, you know, solid veteran on a bad team that, that can't really use his production the rest of the season. Terrence Ross on my list. All right. I think um, you know he, his name has been discussed for a while. His contract, very, very reasonable. Um, I think he's also likely – I mean, the Magic were projecting last trade deadline that they wanted a first-round pick for Evan Fournier. They ultimately moved him to Boston for two seconds, right, just like with Gordon. Um, and even more so than with Gordon, I think Orlando is probably going to be willing to drop that price at a certain point for Ross. Who else do you have on your list? Second guy I wrote down off the top of my head was Dennis Schroeder. Yep, on my list. Uh, the Celtics have clear designs on getting under the tax. That's how it's been communicated um, to me. And I, I think, you know, I wrote about it today. Mike Scotto, I saw wrote it as well over at Hoopsite that there's this framework of Troy Brown and a second-round pick for Dennis Schroeder. It's floated out there. That would seem to be like a nice backup deal for both sides. Um, so I'm not ruling that out as a possibility. Um, and I, but there's also, I mean, the Celtics have, I know, have called several teams. They've called Phoenix about Dennis. They've called Dallas about Dennis. They've called Chicago about Dennis. I think they've called um, a handful of others. Um, so that would seem to be, this can continue to indicate that they are motivated to move him, especially with his, you know, free agency upcoming. And he, he could have an opportunity to make more than what Boston can afford. So, all those indications would seem to point pretty clearly to him getting dealt. So there is so much noise about him getting dealt, and that's one of the reasons he's on my list. So you can see the luxury tax avoidance reasons. Uh, but I'm a little confused why everybody's so certain he's going to get traded. Uh, the Celtics are trying to win this year. He's helping them. Uh, the idea of just dumping him, especially on a team short for passing, he's not some great passer for a point guard. Uh, but on this team, he's one of the better passers, I think. Um, and some of this is his ability to draw attention. I know the difficulty of re-signing him. Uh, you know, he's on a, a cheaper contract th- this year because he got shut out in free agency, made a one, signed a one-year make-good deal. Uh, and then the Celtics only have his non-bird rights, which are actually a form of bird rights after the, the season. Uh, so it's going to be limited what they can pay him because they're going to be almost certainly over the cap. But I don't know. The way he's playing, I'm not absolutely certain that his non-bird salary is going to be more than he can get. And even if you know he's leaving, wouldn't you maybe want him for the rest of the year rather than just dumping him? There's value in getting out of the luxury tax. Maybe there are other ways to do it. I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure I quite understand from Boston's side the absolute ne- necessity of, well, we got to get whatever we can get for Dennis Schroeder now before he leaves when you're trying to win and he can help you now. Agreed. Um, I, I think the Celtics are just kind of in a standpoint where they need to do something. I mean, the team has not performed to their high expectations, right? They're currently two games over 500, uh, ninth 
in the East, and when they hired Ime Udoka, it was absolutely with the goal that he would help bring the Celtics back towards the Eastern Conference you know, championship realm that they were in with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown several times. So um, that's not where they're at right now. And they're still only five and a half games out from the two seed, but that, that seems to be a far, a far five and a half games for them right now. Um, so I think the Celtics are exploring a lot of different opportunities. Marcus Smart's name has always, has, has always been out there, but um, from several people I've talked to, it sounds like the conversations with him have been more serious than ever before. A lot of teams have called about Robert Williams. I don't know Boston's willingness to part with him, but I would think everyone outside of Adam and Brown are available to get dealt um, if the right deal were to present itself to the Celtics. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Somebody else on my list, uh, Dario Saric from the Suns. Out for the year with an injury. On my Uh, list. All right. Uh, you know, the, the Suns are, uh, I'd say at this moment, the best team in the NBA. Will they be the best team in the NBA at the end of the season? Eh, maybe, maybe not, but they're going to be in the mix. They're playing awesome uh, continuation from last year. They're playing awesome in the most predictable ways, which gives you more confidence. It's sustainable. Starge uh, isn't helping that. And, and so this is the time to trade future assets, trade draft picks for immediate upgrades. Plus, he's got about 19.2 or 9.2 excuse me, million due next year. Well, if the Suns are re-signing DeAndre Ayton, they could be looking at a luxury tax crunch. He's probably uh, a luxury that they couldn't afford next year. So it makes sense to use his contract now as his mid-sized contract, making about $8.5 million, to bring in help. There are other players uh, on the roster that could get included if, if they're going for a more expensive player, maybe somebody like Jalen Smith. Uh, spoiler, who didn't quite crack my list, but very possible to get traded. Uh, but, but Sarge is the one piece where it makes sense to trade him for this season, get immediate help, and makes sense to unload his salary for next season when the Suns could be more expensive than they'd like to be. Yeah, Sarge's name has been flowing out there and as trade uh, as trade dating back to probably like the moment he got injured. Honestly, that's just how that's just how the game works. When you're you're on the margins in this salary cap sport, competing for a championship with very expensive players like Chris Paul on your roster, as the Suns are, so his name's been out there a ton. Um, I don't know what exactly he will be able to get back for them, um, being that he hasn't been dealt yet. I think that's one part patience, two parts. Uh, you know, the market for an injured Darius Arch isn't exactly big, right? So you mentioned you know packaging a young player or. A pick with him, you know. That's that's. I don't. I don't exactly know the Suns' uh, draft uh, pick situation off the top of my head, but um, I th- they're clearly looking to move Sarge to do something. So he is on my list, absolutely. You know, I I, was, I just uh, recorded the uh, mock trade deadline podcast with uh, Nate Duncan, Dan LaRue, and, and Kevin Pelton. I had the Suns, so uh, I, I ended up trading Sarge for uh, uh, with a first round pick uh, protected for. Uh, for Robert Covington, who I think could be a good fit there. Uh, you, an extra uh, three and D forward, plus somebody who can play small ball center, which Shards was providing. Uh, the Suns are getting good production from their, their backup centers now, Javel McGee, Bismack, Biombo, but those aren't stretch guys. Uh, the, the Suns do already owe one pick 
It's uh, it's to the Thunder. It's top 12 protected this year, then top 10, then top 8, then unprotected. So you can do a pick that's two years out. And they could even maybe even offer uh, the possibility of, of getting two first-round picks, probably for somebody better than uh, Robert Covington. But it is out there if they're looking for an immediate help. Uh, did you get the sense that there was – I mean, Shard, you know, the Suns liked him. Uh, you say he get, got even more out there in the trade market once he got hurt, but also, like, that created a difficulty. To me, like, he's just a contract now that he's hurt. Um it seems like, you know, teams, maybe there's a, some upside there next year if he gets healthy, but, but more so he's just matching salary. Or, or do you get a sense that maybe some teams would be interested in having him? And, uh, you know, he was a good player before he got hurt. Yeah, I think the Suns are selling him as someone that you can get in your program now, rehab him, and have him ready to go for next season. I don't, I haven't heard a team that's like dying to get Dario. Mm-hmm. He is like respected around the league, but. As he's gotten older, I mean, he never was a plus athlete, right? And as he's gotten older, that's become more apparent. So he he will probably have teams that will take that pitch and will say, yeah, we'll take Dario, especially if you're giving us a pick. But I haven't heard a long list of teams lining up to acquire him. So I just mentioned a Dario Saric uh, for Robert Covington trade. Robert Covington is also on my list from the Trailblazers. Um, this is a team I think that's going to look to get out of the luxury tax. Uh, Covington is finally year of his contract. You know, I, I don't know how competitive this team can can be with Damian Lillard out, other injuries uh, adding up a little. They're doing a decent job of staying afloat, but I feel like uh, if they can return, trade Robert Covington for more of a long-term asset, his contract's very movable at the mid-tier salary, could maybe help get them out of luxury tax, and they feel, would feel like, yeah, if we take a, a step back this year, it's not the end of the world. Uh, what gives me pause, though, about including him, there are uh, several Trailblazers players who are mentioned in trade talks. There are other ways to get a luxury tax. So if they end up trading CJ McCollum or Yusuf Nurkic, uh, maybe a Covington trade isn't necessary to get out of luxury tax. And not that you still can't trade Covington. That's why he made the list. He could still be traded. Uh, but he might not be essential to getting out of the luxury tax. Covington on my list as well. Um, and communicated to me of late that for various reasons, Nurkic seems less likely to get dealt. Um, and I think Covington's got a greater fit in a lot of different scenarios. Phoenix, you mentioned Golden State, he could drop into and help right away. Any contending team, really. Um, a guy that Portland paid two second rounders for, if you can just get him for a first right now, that would seem to be a pretty nice value play. Um, but yeah, he was he was on my list. So you, you've taken I think three of them right now. Uh, we're, we're we got four overlapping: Dario Saric, Terrence Ross, Dennis Schroeder, and Robert Covington. Do you have any other Trailblazers on your list? No. I feel like I'm playing Go Fish. You got you got any Trailblazers? <laughs> no, but along the injured lines of Dario Saric, I have Joe Ingles on my list. Me too. He was not on my list. Well, he was borderline. He was very borderline until he got hurt, and then I pushed him in firmly once he got hurt. Do you feel like, am I on the right page? I feel like his injury made him more likely to get traded just because of what the Jazz luxury tax bill is. Yeah. Uh, the potential savings of dealing him are, you know, so huge. Uh, and, and really, once you tra- if you could unload him, and it probably involved the Thunder as the team with a lot of caps, so if you could just get, get him off the books, uh, then you're almost to being out of luxury tax completely. And then, so not only, you know, the, this big luxury tax bill they're looking at is completely wiped away, then you're going to get uh, the distribution of luxury tax given to non-tax paying teams. And we don't know how much that will be uh, exactly uh, because it depends on what tax avoidance moves other teams are, are making. You could be looking something this year at something like $10 million. So instead of paying a, a big uh, luxury tax bill, uh, you, you could be getting $10 million. The potential there uh, it, it is enormous. Um and then you, they could go the other way. And by, by the way, just for perspective, the Jazz right now are looking at about like a $28 million luxury tax bill. So that'd be something like a $38 million swing. Or the Jazz are trying to be good right now. His expiring contract, mid-size, could be really useful in adding help. They don't have to cut salary. That's just one option. What you know, A lot of these players I've included as most likely to be traded are because you could see multiple different ways the team would want to trade them. They could use his contract to get immediate help. He could be matching salary. Uh, the drawback of, oh, we're trading a, a player who's helping us, who's well-liked in the locker room, who's a, you know, uh, a good, solid reserve, well, you, that doesn't no longer exist. If you're trading him as a salary for immediate help, he was somebody who wasn't going to help you the rest of the year anyway. And if you want to bring him back next year, there's no reason you can't sign him uh, with the mid-level exception. Given where the Jazz's payroll is going, especially if they make a, a win-now trade this year, I have some doubt that they'd be using the mid-level exception on 
some other outsider next summer anyway. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. And I think, you know, Joe's been on the trade block dating back to the draft as the Jazz have looked to upgrade on their defensive side of the ball on the wing. But a big drawback has always been the fact that Joe's been so integral to their culture as a leader in their locker room. Um, so it, the fact that he's no longer playing can't have any impact on him. If he were to not get dealt, I, I agree, dramatically increases his chances of getting moved. Where I think a lot of these guys are like 60-40, but when you know the Dennis Schroeder situation, like, for example, if Boston... Like he's not even not he's not even like not even he's a hundred percent, but um, he seems to be like ninety because Boston has such clear designs on getting under the tax. Someone like Joe, the fact that he's hurt and the Jazz are in a win now situation, almost a hundred percent that he's going to get dealt. Wow! He, especially because he's an expiring contract. He's well into his thirties, having a pretty serious knee injury that. You know, we mentioned Dario Saris not being a plus athlete. Joe obviously never has either. Um, that's not to say he can't come back from this, but, um, you know, the Jazz are in this title window now, and they're trying to do what they can to continue to build a championship organization around Donovan Mitchell. They're going to look to really add a piece here that can, that can supplement what they've got, especially on the perimeter, especially defensively. Um who that player becomes, I don't know. I doubt they're going to just dump him to OKC. Like, if they were to send him to OKC, which I would assume they would be trying to get Kenrich Williams back or something like that. But I haven't heard, to be clear, I haven't heard any Kenrich Jazz um, speculation, and I do think it's very li- very unlikely that the Thunder part with Kenrich. Um, that being said... Like, the Jazz are going to canvas the league far and wide for wing depth, and they'll play into the buyout market as well. If someone like Thaddeus Young becomes available, I think they'll be one of the first teams to call out. If Gary Harris gets bought out, Terrence Ross, I think, will probably get traded. Um, If Gary Harris does not, and there has been some, some talk that he might be able to find a buyout agreement. Like, those types of situations, I think the Jazz are going to be all over. You mentioned Kenrich Williams, who, uh, the way you put it, I'm glad he did not make my list, but he was one of my final cuts. Uh, wh- why do you uh, think the Thunder are so unlikely to trade him? He's just on a great contract, playing very well. There's no need to move him right now. <laughs> sure, and that's that's ultimately why I, I didn't have him on was, uh, you know, he'll retain. He's only making $2 million a year. He's under contract for next year. Uh, he'll retain that value in the next year. But it also struck me as, you know, there are a bunch of really good teams that have big payrolls that seem like they would love to have a, a cheap, productive player and would pay a, a premium in draft picks for it, uh, that he's so much more valuable because he's so cheap. There's not a, a ton of cheap veterans out there for, for an expensive team like theoretically Milwaukee or Brooklyn, teams like that uh, who would be weary of adding. You know, to get a player of that caliber with the resulting luxury tax, it would be so much more expensive usually that maybe you'd give up even more in uh, – in draft assets, whatever limited draft assets you're you're left with, or Milwaukee is Dante Divincenzo. I'm not suggesting that one in particular, um, but you run into problems looking for more expensive players. So that that's one of the reasons he made my list was, or or nearly made my list. Uh, but I'm glad I I didn't put him on. <laughs> there you I, go. I'm still looking for a player I have that you don't. Um, so far, the only one that we don't overlap on is Eric Gordon, who you had. I'm going to give a try with one of those expensive teams, uh, Shemi Ojale. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. 
coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, the Bucks are deep in the luxury tax. He's not playing much for them. When he's played, he hasn't played well. Uh, it seems to me trading him to open a roster spot. The Bucks have been a team in, in recent years that have been active looking for buyout guys. Um, you know, Milwaukee is not the the sexy destination, uh, Los Angeles, Miami, that we often think of for buyout guys, but this is, does seem to be a approach the, the Bucks use. And so you unload his salary, now it's off your books. If you cut him, uh, you know, he's still going to count against your books, and then it's going to be a, a luxury tax hit. So you're better off paying another team to t- pay the rest of his salary. Uh, you give them a little bit more, whether it's money or draft pick or whatever, for their trouble, and, and you come out ahead. Uh, so... A little more boring, but Semi Ojale on my top ten. Semi is not on my list. All right, um, I've written him. I've written him at least once, um, or I wrote his name. Now that I'm speaking out loud, I can't <laughs> off the top of my head. I've definitely written slash wrote his name um, at one point in the last couple of weeks. His name's definitely come up. I just don't think there's like a long list of teams trying to get Semi Ojale, right? Like. Nobody wa- No, it, it would just totally be an enticement. I bet he would get waived afterward. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. The Bucks, I think, seem pretty set on trying to get a big man. Um, can his salary be part of that going? Yeah, I just um, – I don't know. I think he's, he's a very insignificant uh, trade chip for Milwaukee, and I don't – I don't know. His name didn't really come to me as a, as a, as a remotely sexy name to put down. <laughs> Yes, there's no rule on these ten. There's no rule that they have to be like interesting players or high or big name players. Just just likelihood of being traded. Uh, so maybe maybe I snuck one in there uh, that that can give me a little bit of advantage in our, our contest. You, um, you know, my concern though is you know he's, he's a versatile defender. Um, and if the Bucks feel like yeah, we like him on the end of our bench for certain matchups in the playoffs, just in case, you know, uh, they might not trade him. Uh, so I do have finally have one that you don't have. Uh, who else is on your list? The next up on my list is Daniel Tice. Wow, not on my list. Not even close to my list. There we go. Um, I mean, there, there just seems to be a lot of teams. <laughs> Someone just DM'd me, show me your Pat Bev trade source. Um, <laughs> listen, a lot of teams are exploring opportunities to move a lot of different players right now. It just is a reality. Um, Daniel Tice is clearly one of them. There's just a very expensive big man market right now, right? The Pacers want a lot for DeMontis Sabonis or Miles Turner. Jeremy Grant, I would consider a big. This is want a lot of for him. The Hawks have made outgoing calls on John Collins. They want a lot for him. Jakob Pertl, a high asking price in San Antonio. Even on the list, Tice is just a guy on an $8 million deal. Over the next four years, which as the cap might go up, could be pretty, pretty valuable. Very kind of seamless plug-and-play type of veteran. You're not trading for him for a high upside, but you're trading for him for professionalism and for, you know, above-average play. I just think it's very feasible that he gets dealt, and I think the Rockets, honestly, I think the Rockets signed him specifically to trade him later. And, and then, so it's four years of team control. That that, uh, that fourth year is a team option, so you're not stuck with that if, uh, as he gets into his 30s, he doesn't uh, keep up. The problem is Correct. he's having a real lousy year. Um, you know, for you know, I'm not saying he's been terrible. Yeah, relative way, he's been. He's on a crap show situation. He's what? He's just in a terrible situation too. He is. That, yes. That environment. I mean, shout out to Eric Gordon for doing what he's doing. Um, but the whole Tice dynamic, starting him with Jared Allen, it just been, it hasn't really been a seamless dynamic. Uh, starting him with with uh, Christian Wood. Sorry, Christian Wood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my 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 brain wires got crossed because they they traded Jared Allen to Cleveland right. solely because of their fear for their fit with Christian Wood in the front court. Right, and, and then bring in Tice. <laughs> Yeah, lo and behold, that hasn't worked out with Daniel Tice either. So. No, yeah, you're right. It's a bad spot. I think he would play better 
but he's not young. And that would give me a little pause of like, okay, well, why why is this, uh, you know, near 30-year-old big man, why is he struggling uh, like this? Is it just the situation? And, and I'm absolutely sure he's positive value on this contract. The way he's playing right now, uh, this season, he has not been. I kind of think he would be in a different situation, but it's just not a given. Um, so I, I am far less certain that he gets traded, but I'm, I'm going to watch him more closely now that you uh, have said him. Uh, Serge Ibaka from the Clippers is on my on list. On my list. And uh, it could go multiple ways. Uh, the, the potential luxury tax savings of unloading him or even trading him for a lesser paid player are very large. Uh, this is a team that has, can take a little bit of a step back. She hasn't been contributing uh, really anyway. Um, or his mid-sized contract could be useful to add somebody. Just a bunch of different directions they could go, but it does not seem to be a fit in L.A. Yeah, and that luxury tax savings are going to be massive. Um, OKC has kind of repeatedly been suggested to me as the clear mm-hmm. landing spot for him, um, which is a, a nice little reunion uh, for Serge and Sam Presti. Um, Might be a temporary uh, reunion. I could definitely see them buying him out. Yes. Um, so that's something I think is very, very, very possible. And that's the route you think would be more likely rather than using his, his, uh, mid-size expiring contract to, to facilitate bringing somebody in. Yes. The way, the way the Clippers situation has been explained to me is that they're potentially going to be looking at moves to free up salary cap space to make another big splash in free agency this summer, um, or to at least have the flexibility to make a, a big move and bring in some real key contributors this offseason in various capacities. So I think, there, I think if anything, the Clippers are going to resemble more of a seller than a buyer here at the deadline, um, especially with all the talk about the potential for both Paul George and Kawhi not to return this season. Um, they're not ruled out, but... Um, there's definitely a lot of speculation about them potentially both not returning. So um, now they're holding firm here onto the eight seed right now. That's largely because there hasn't been no one good enough to, <laughs> to bump them out. The Lakers have fallen down to nine with bronze injury. And the Kings just can't even get there. Um, so by default, the Clippers might just be in the playing picture. But if they're there, I doubt Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are coming back to help lead a band of misfits uh, against the Warriors and the Phoenix Suns in the first round, you know, I think uh, I, I, I just I think that all signs in Clipperland kind of point to them making a move of a of a salary shedding type variety or adding someone that could help them next year um, or create or creating flexibility that can help them this summer rather than buying to go for a real postseason run this season. You know, the, the the Clippers owe the Thunder their unprotected first-round pick, so that'd be one reason not to sell, because you don't get the upside of a higher draft pick than you usually. It doesn't mean you, you shouldn't sell, can't sell. It's just one uh, piece of the, the puzzle. They have uh, multiple players, expensive players, that, hey, if this is a reset year, uh, they could look to trade Eric Bledsoe, Marcus Morris, uh, maybe Luke Kennard, although Kennard is uh, you know younger than those guys. Uh, do you have any other Clippers on your list? I do not, no. Okay, me neither. Uh, who else do you have? Next on my new list is Nerland Noel. Ah, did not make my list. I just heard that they've made outgoing calls on him. Um, like, I know at least two teams at the Knicks picked up the phone and said, hey, what would be your interest in Nerlens? They, 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 they have to clear... Some type of roster space and minutes. I mean, Nerlens wouldn't be the clear guy to do that for, but to, to get some opportunity for Cam Reddish, mm-hmm. um, maybe Nerlens frees up uh, opportunity for him to play like some small ball four in some lineups as someone slides up to the five. But um, Nerlens' name has just been generally the Nick that I think has been the most brought up. On my conversations, Alec Burks, Evan Fournier, Kevin, Kevin, uh, Kevin Walker are all really in there as well, obviously. Um, but I think Burks, they probably value highest of that group, and that's why I think he probably, I think he probably has the highest value as well amongst the league. But I think the Knicks' interest makes him 
less likely those those guys. Evan Fournier's contract makes him less likely. Kemba's declining ability, um, I don't think, is uh, creating a vast market for him. So, I mean, Nerlens would seem to be a very likely candidate to get dealt. I agree with your view on all those other Nick veterans. I, um, we're seeing those in lockstep. Um, the difference I have on Nerlens Noel is Mitchell Robinson uh, is on expiring contract. He's going to be a, an unrestricted free agent in the summer. Uh, I could see an either-or scenario there where uh, maybe you want to deal one, not the other. And I think there'd be more urgency to, to trade the guy who's about to be up for a, a big raise. Not sure how much you can rely on Mitchell Robinson long-term. Might feel now is the time to trade him, and then if you trade Mitchell Robinson, that would make a New Orleans Noel trade less likely, though not impossible. It's possible they trade both, though I think it would be only one. So between the two of them working uh, kind of against each other, I, I couldn't really come that close to putting either on my list. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Knicks are very engaged in trade conversations. They could go in a number of different uh, directions, and I mm-hmm. think um, not in terms of like buying, but in terms of different uh, types of pieces they get back and different guys they send out. And it seems pretty clear that they are focused on creating further financial flexibility to pursue Jalen Brunson this summer as well. Uh, Jalen Brunson on your list? He is not. Yeah, he's one of my longer considerations. Didn't make it, uh, neither did Dorian Finney-Smith. I, I think it's more likely the, the Mavericks roll with them, but you know, wouldn't be surprising if either one is traded before they hit free agency. Yeah, the Mavericks have pretty strongly communicated that they are trying to keep both of those guys. So I've got a couple more boring ones uh, from the Lakers, DeAndre Jordan and Kent Bazemore. Uh, these would be salary dumps. These would be, hey, we're a team deep in the luxury tax. Uh, incentivize another team to take these minimum salary players, get that off our books. And then you sign a, a buyout player for a the rest of the season. Uh, well, now basically you're paying uh, half the minimum instead of the full minimum, and by the time you add the, the luxury tax on that, that's a pretty substantial difference, enough where uh, you have it, it's worth incentivizing another team to take them. Sorry, I, I, I lost track of the name that you said. So uh, DeAndre Jordan and uh, DeAndre. Kent Bazemore from the Lakers. Okay. I have both. I have DeAndre Jordan higher on my list. Kent Bazemore is, Bazemore is on my list. Bazemore is on my list, but DeAndre okay. is the name I, I, I didn't hear you say. Yes, okay. Bazemore is on my list. Um, you know, he's it, someone that the Lakers promised a starting role to this offseason, and he was starting for them in the regular season. But, I mean, by all accounts, for every reason – he has not been a member of Frank Vogel's coaching uh, rotation. And, um, you know, a lot of times that happens in the league where the front office makes or cashes a check that uh, – or offers a check that the coaching staff can't cash, right, or doesn't want to cash. Um, so I think, yeah, from everything I've heard, I've talked to people close to that situation. Um, Kent would probably be open to a new situation. Um, and I think the Lakers are trying to use him to get something as well. Dwight Howard, I think, is very possible to get dealt um, in addition to DeAndre. But for DeAndre and Dwight, like, they're going to have to find a team that wants a big rim-running center, which, um, you know, like maybe Milwaukee, that they're in, the, they're in the mix for one of those guys in terms of they want a big man. But do they want to – invest themselves and, and, and tie their wagon to one of those two. I mean, they had the Marcus Cousins, and Marcus is different intel-wise than those two guys, but, um, you know, in terms of, like, a veteran who might be on his last legs, I'm not sure if that's something the Bucks are really uh, willing to go after here. So um, I think Kent has a probably a much higher likelihood just in terms of what he could provide other teams. The reason I, I have DeAndre Jordan higher is I think he's most likely traded to a team that buys him out, that is just a salary dump. He gets bought out and then can sign somewhere else. It happened recently. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. He is uh, becoming a master at this move. So if I'm counting right, I've got all 10 from you, and that leaves one more for me. Uh, my last guy is Ricky Rubio from the Cavaliers, another player who's injured out for the year. Uh on expiring contract could be very useful matching salary. I think the Cavs are going to have a good amount of aggressiveness uh, to to upgrade what they're doing with with uh, Rubio hurt, with Colin Sexton hurt. There's a real need for more backcourt help. Uh, what gives me a little pause about Rubio is it's not the only way the Cavs can match salary. Uh, they could they have some other players who they could include really for the right player. They could even include Colin Sexton, give another team a head start on getting Sexton's matching rights. There are other possibilities out there. 
Uh, but to me, Rubio as an expiring contract plus a pick is just a real simple way for Cleveland to get the upgrade it wants. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just don't know if they're going to find someone that they're willing to pay the price for. Um, that's been feedback I've gotten so far that everyone on their list, the, the price has been too rich for their blood. So that would be the one. That's the one thing that held me back from putting Ricky, um, you know, compared to the Utah where they, they have, I mean, they're, they're trying to compete for the title with an aging group. Like this is their time. The Cavs just got here. They're, they're looking to find a piece that can help push them into the postseason and, and, and keep, um, you know, creating a ceiling for this young group to continue to develop in. So um, it's a much different dynamic where they could they could just hold on to Ricky's expiring deal and have him sh- shut off their books, you know, um, which, you know, they have the Collins Sex and stuff upcoming and flexibility in that regard would be important. So, yeah, I, I, I do have one more name down. Maybe I wrote down 11 after all that. Yeah, I've got your 10. We, you can get one more. Who's the 10 you said I have? Maybe so I, so let, let's recap what I've got for our, our count of 10. This is who we have in common, uh, I think. Dario Saric, Serge Ibaka, Terrence Ross, Robert Covington, Dennis Schroeder, Joe Ingles, and Kent Bazemore. And then uh, the other three I have me down for are Ricky Rubio, DeAndre Jordan, and Shemi Ojale. Uh-huh. And, then, and then the three extra I have for you are Eric Gordon, Daniel Tice, and Nerlens Noel. All right. Yeah, I guess I wrote down an extra. Well, my last name was Montrez Harrell. Um, mm. Do you want to bump somebody? No. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like your 11. Yeah, he's uh, he's my 25 plus one AP top 25. <laughs> I think that, I mean, just like with Nerlens, the Wizards, from, from my understanding, have been making calls on him as well. So... Um, and then saying that they are motivated to move him. They've got a kind of a center log jam with him and Thomas Bryant and Daniel Gafford. Um, I think Dan- Thomas Bryant's also a candidate as well, but from my understanding, um, I think that um, Harrell is the, is the name that the front office and perhaps the coaching staff as well would prefer to move. I agree with you on that. The reason I didn't put him on is because it could be Thomas Bryant. It even could be Daniel Gafford, who just got bumped from the rotation. I wonder how much that's about uh, showcasing the more likely trade targets uh, or trade candidates before the, the deadline. That is my understanding, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I do think Gafford would be the least likely, but you know, if another team makes a real nice offer for Gafford and that clears things up, I don't think that's impossible, but it's more so, well, will they trade Harrell or will they trade Bryant? They, they could even trade both, but it'll probably be one or the other. I don't have confidence enough that it's – even though I think Carroll's more likely, I didn't have enough confidence uh, that it would be him. I'm going to give you some names that we did not say. Uh, we did not say, uh, I think, really any of the very biggest names who are getting tossed around it, uh, before the trade deadline. Ben hmm. Simmons, Bradley Beal. Uh, you can even say Damian Lillard if you want to, although I think a lot of the noise is quieted down there. John Collins. Uh, there was a brief mention of Jeremy Grant. Didn't make either of our list. Harrison Barnes. Some brief mentions of DeMontis, Sabonis, and Miles Turner did not make either of our lists. Uh, is this going to be a more quiet trade deadline than, than people expect? Or is it just, hey, between those guys, a couple of them are going to get traded, but we're just not sure who? It could very much be a quiet deadline. Um, all those names, Ben Simmons, Jeremy Grant, John Collins, DeMontis, Sabonis, Miles Turner – that have been very much on the block and very much available. I'm not including Damian Lillard because he's never been put on the block. He's never been made available until he requests a trade. The Blazers aren't even going to consider parting with Damian Lillard. So those five guys, Ben looks extremely unlikely. The Sixers have projected this time and again from the start that until they have an all-star caliber player on their offer sheet, whatever you want to call it, until that guy's been made available to them, they're not even considering making a deal. That guy has not been presented to them yet. They're waiting for the likes of Brad and James Harden, Jalen Brown, you know, the names that have been out there. They're waiting for someone to become available. This summer, if one of those guys doesn't come available between now and February 10th, and I don't think that's happening either. So that leaves... The, the, the two guys in Indiana, and it looked forever like Miles Turner was the most likely guy to fall um, early. Like 
people were talking about him getting moved in January and how that was going to be the first domino and it was going to you know be it was going to set the market and it was going to be the reactionary trade that uh, or it was going to be the trade that sparked a lot of reactionary trades and then he got hurt. The intel is that his scan seems good. He will be back sometime after the All Star break, um, early March, the latest. Um, so that's a good sign and it's better for the Pacers. Um, from a negotiating standpoint that I think they were a week ago. Um, but still, the Pacers are have been known to waffle about whether or not they want to break up with big man pairing anyway. They, they, they've considered trading Miles Turner for three years now, basically. Um, and just like the Magic before them, where the Magic were waffling and didn't want to pull up their team up, they finally did make moves last year with Vucevic and Sabonis and uh, Evan Fournier. Like, that's clearly what the front office has in mind, but Rick Carlisle is in the fold as a coach making seven-plus million dollars and ownership. Simon family has always wanted to put out as a competitive team as possible. I don't think the Pacers are really on board for a full-scale rebuild, so they're looking for deals that can swap out their pieces for young guys who can help them win right now, like a Chris Duarte. That was why he got selected at 13. Um, so all that's to say, like until the right deal presents itself with the Pacers, there's no guarantee they do anything either. John Collins talk has really quieted down. I think they're still going to take and make calls on him, but it's been quiet from what I've understood of late in Atlanta. Um, and from there, you know, Jeremy Grant is another player that I think the Pistons there's a lot of people with Detroit, I think, who don't want to move him and want to keep him and want to keep him entrenched as a key veteran piece, kind of like the David West to those Paul George Pacers back in the day as they have this young group put together a couple of nice wins. Uh, Kate Cunningham looks to be the real deal. Who's to say if they get another top five pick, just like the Cavs did with Evan Mobley this year, like why couldn't they be the Cavs next year? That, that's, that's what the Pistons are that's what a faction of the Pistons are thinking um, in terms of um, what the benefits are to keeping Jeremy Grant on the roster. And if no team decides to meet their at their high asking price for Jeremy, I could see him being held too. So in all those scenarios, then it would be a pretty quiet deadline. Yeah. The thing all those players I just mentioned have in common, they're all under contract beyond this season. So I think all their current teams, you mentioned Jeremy Grant, I think that's the most prominent example, but all of them, uh, or I guess Bradley Beal is the exception, um, but the rest of them, they're all under contract. And, and I think there's great communication between Beal and the Wizards, and if they keep him, there's some confidence there that he'd resign. Uh, all these teams have internal leverage, uh, a lot of internal leverage. They don't have to make a trade. That's not, well, we got to take the best offer, where I think the magic probably would be with Terrence Ross, even though, uh, uh, you know, there's another year there. Um there's just the general idea of all these teams could keep these players at the end. Um, they don't have to take the best offer. If the best offer isn't good enough. So I, I think that's an interesting dynamic this year where there's not, there's not a, the urgency for the better players. Uh, one of the teams that I'm, if we just said, well, what teams are more likely, most likely to make a trade before the deadline? Uh, Sacramento would have been very high on my list. Uh, there are a bunch of possibilities there. Uh, it could be Buddy Heald or, or Harrison Barnes or Rashawn Holmes or Marvin Bagley or, uh, Mo Harkless could work in some deals. Uh, we didn't name any kings. Are you less confident than me that Sacramento will make a move, or is it just hey between all those guys, it's hard to pinpoint which one they'll trade? Yeah, I think it's the latter. Between all those guys, it's hard to pinpoint which one they'll trade. Um, the Kings, the Blazers, the Pelicans, the Pacers, um, the Wizards seem to be the most active teams right now that can make a variety of different moves that I'm very much expecting they do something. Um, but it could range from something small, like just sending out Robert Covington to get a pickback and receive some uh, flexibility, um, or it being the Kings moving the Harrison Barnes somewhere or them going out and getting a, a big piece. Um, there's a, there's a wide variety for all those teams I just mentioned. Uh, we also had no thunder players. I very much expect the thunder to make a trade. Is that more so, uh, uh, just because, you know, similar boat where, uh, they, they're going to have to have somebody out going somewhere, but it's more so about, uh, what they're getting, what salary they're taking with a the draft pick, uh, 
harder to identify which pieces would be going out would be outgoing. Yeah, I'd say so. I think you know Kenrich Williams, uh, Lugans Thor. Like I don't think those guys are really going to get moved. I think the likely Thunder pieces are guys like Mike Muscala. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's who I considered for the list. And then the last team I want to ask about who, again, we didn't have anybody on their team on our list is the Hawks. I think the Hawks are ripe for a consolidation trade, uh, but I struggle to find somebody more valuable than say John Collins out there. Like who are you pooling your assets for? Who's even more valuable than John Collins uh, to, to this team? Is there anybody out there that you think might su- be surprisingly gettable? Maybe it doesn't necessarily get traded, but a, a, a name where it's bigger than John Collins, uh, you know, better, not, maybe not younger, but combination, uh, better team control in this country, whatever, where there's a big name out there, uh, where, you know, I think the Hawks would be a prime team, but there could be other teams. Uh, is, is there a surprise name out there? I'll, I'll give you one, because I, I know it's a tough question. I don't think the Suns are going to trade DeAndre Ayton, but given the production they're getting from their other centers, and given uh, the payroll concerns of paying him restricted free agency and where that's headed... I think he might be slightly more available than you would think. Is there somebody out there like that that you see where, where the Hawks or another team with these assets could make a play? I don't know if there's a player out there better than John Collins, but a big name that really hasn't been discussed too, too much outside of the Ben Simmons trade constructs. You know, I don't think De'Aaron Fox is really off the table like that. I think mm. I don't think you know, there's really too many ongoing conversations about him. Um, but I think for the right deal, the Kings would absolutely consider uh, parting ways with De'Aaron Fox. And that would be a pretty big name. Yes. My, my read on that kind of reading between the lines is that the Kings explored the market and said, oh, there are just no offers good enough for us. So why don't we just tell them we're going to keep them? Not that they decided we're so devoted to you, but they determined that, well, there's not going to be an offer anyway. Um, but yeah, uh, that could always change. We are a week out from the deadline. Just to recap, uh, the the three players we have different. This is what it's going to come down to. Who's going to win this contest here? I have Ricky Rubio from the Cavaliers, DeAndre Jordan from the Lakers, and Shemi Ojale from the Bucks as most more likely to get traded. And you have Eric Gordon and Daniel Tice from the Rockets and Nerlens Noel from the Knicks. Jake, thanks a ton for coming on and talking about all these trade possibilities with me. You got it, man. Thanks for having me. Take care and uh, good luck your way before the deadline buzzer sounds. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.